Hello, 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 and welcome to the Nerd of Godcast, episode 18A. This is uh, one of our one-shot episodes, but tonight's a very special team-up because it is Thursday night, and I am here with some of my very, very favorite people in the world. Uh, It is our Thursday night teen Bible study that happens at my house. You guys can cheer and make noise and stuff if you want to. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I'm a son. I'm a brand new person. Nobody knows me. <laughs> Let's go ahead and give everybody, uh, the, these amazing teenagers, a real quick chance to introduce themselves, uh, starting on my left and working their way around. Hi, I'm Dylan. Well, Dylan, what are, you, what are you really nerdy about? Everybody's nerdy. Everybody's a geek about something. What are you, what are you geeking out about? Comic books. Very cool. Uh, what, what about you? Who's next? <clears throat> um, I'm Cody. Cody, what, what are you a geek about, man? History. History. You like it? What's your favorite part of history? Everything. All right, all the historical stuff. Uh, coming up next, first time at our Bible study on Thursday night, and you are being put now uh, broadcast across the universe on the internet. Uh, tell us, what's your name? Amaris. Hi, Amaris. And uh, what are you geeky about? What are you a nerd about, Amaris? Music. You like music? I love it. Love it. Next, we have... Lorelai. Hello, Lorelai. What are you a nerd about? What do you science. geek out about? Science. You are a scientist. You're a math nerd. You came and everybody else was playing video games, and you're like doing your math homework in the other room. That's cool. I respect it. Math makes the world go around. God made math. I'm Izzy. Hi, Izzy. What do you uh, What do you nerd out about, Izzy? Math. You're a math whiz too, huh? That's cool. Hi. Izzy is a legitimate uh, brainiac. What do you got? Hi, I'm Gabby. Hi, Gabby. We're going with Gabby tonight. <laughs> One of your many alter egos, Gabby. Uh, what are you a nerd about? Sherlock Holmes. You like? Ooh, you like the, the BBC show Sherlock Holmes? Oh. Benedict Cumberbatch. Yes. Very nice. <laughs> I'm Christian, a.k.a. the Nerd of God Kid. Hi, Christian. We all know you. We know Christian from uh, his many appearances on our show, uh, most notably in our William Shakespeare Star Wars episode where he played R2-D2. Can you give us a taste of that, Christian? Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> That's the one. And uh, last but certainly not least. Hello, I am Matthew. Hi, Matthew. What are you a nerd about, buddy? Um, video games... Mostly either Minecraft or Mario. Very cool. Now, we're going to start out tonight. We're going to have a little trivia game to see what you guys know. We're going to test your nerdiness. Uh, we got a couple teams here. we got Dylan and Cody. Could you go ahead and ring in for us? Very good. We have Amaris and Lorelai, Izzy and Gabby, and Christian and Matthew. Very, very nice. So I'm going to ask you guys some questions. If you think you know the answer... Go ahead and ring in. Uh, first team to ring in gets the question right, gets a point. So are you? please do not spill your beverages all over my house. Um, but here we go. Uh, <laughs> round one. What city does Batman protect? Christian. Gotham City. No. Oh, I got Dylan. Gotham. That is, that is Gotham City. Very good. One point for Dylan. Arkham City is the video game that he's in, but the city he protects would be. Did you play Batman Gotham. too much? That's that's probably true. Um, all right. Question number two. Great job. Who is the brother of Mario? Dang it! I got a Morris. It is Luigi. Very good. I touched. Is your buzzer broken? There it is. All right. You know. <laughs> you don't have to kill it. I think that's Neff's, and Neff breaks it because he just squeezes it all the time. <laughs> he has overmilked that cow. Lorelai? Uh, Mario and Luigi are, in fact, brothers. That's why the game is called Super Mario Brothers. 
Wa Wario and Waluigi. They're like bizarro versions of Mario and Luigi, but yeah, they're, but Mario and Luigi are in fact brothers. I always thought Wario and Waluigi were the cousins of Mario and Luigi. I, I, who is our, our resident Nintendo expert, Matthew? Matthew, have you ever heard that? What? That Mario... Never mind. Okay. Okay. Um, here we go. Question number three. This is a fill-in-the-blank question. Live long and blank. Amaris, I got Amaris. Live long. Amaris said, "Live long and." That is incorrect. All right, I got Alyssa. Uh, Gabby. Prosper is correct, and that is from what? <laughs> she doesn't know. <laughs> You're doing so well. It's from Star Trek. Um, okay, I'm looking for the real name of Iron Man. Dylan. Tony Stark. That is correct. My buzzer is broken. Well, you broke it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sure, go ahead. Test yours. There you go. You don't have, it means you don't have to kill it. You just have to press it, okay? I think this is Steven. Just press it. Who is the antagonist in the Mario franchise? Bowser. Bowser is correct. What is the name of the Wookiee from Star Wars. I got Christian. Chewbacca. Chewbacca is correct. We're gonna get hard here. What planet does the Death Star destroy in Star Wars? Alderaan. Alderaan is correct. The kid is on a roll. <laughs> the fan named Jumpman from the original Donkey Kong video game is now known as Super Mario. Mario is correct. What kind of animal is Sonic? Um, <laughs> Sonic is no, not... No, no, <laughs> It says it in the title. She got it. <laughs> Dil Dylan actually got the, the recovery on that one. He is a hedgehog. <laughs> that is... That's not... That's not fair. I know, I know. I was sitting there Life is that, hard. I should have gotten that right. That is retarded. <laughs> not cool. What is the name of the main character from the Halo video game? Dylan. Master Chief. Master Chief is correct. Yes. <laughs> what was... um? The first game ever to show blood and gore was so violent it was banned in the UK. What's Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat. Wow, really? Yeah, it was. What is the... Uh, oh, this is a tough one. <laughs> Arnold Schwarzenegger plays the T-800 in what movie? Terminator. Terminator is correct. <laughs> Finish the sentence. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year missions to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new civilizations, to boldly go... Beyond this world? Beyond this world is wrong. Ah, oh, man. To boldly go... I don't understand what you said, but it does not sound like where no man has gone before. What do you think? I said, it's awesome. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
To, to boldly go eat tater tots. Okay. Dr. Robotnik is the villain in what popular... I didn't finish the sentence. But I know it. There's a rule in my class in history. If you press the buzzer for the question is answered, they can't answer that question. But this isn't your history class, is it? Ooh. So you can't even finish the question. But, but again, this isn't your history class. Dr. Rob Dr. Robotnik is the villain in what popular video game? No? In what popular video game franchise? Christian. Sonic the Hedgehog. Very good. <laughs> In what movie series would you find Gimli, son of Gloin? The Gilmore Girls. Are you serious? The Gilmore Girls is not correct. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, thought, I thought you were right. I wasn't finished with the question. Gimli, son of Gloin, Legolas Greenleaf, Aragorn, Frodo. Oh. You can ring in if you know the answer. <laughs> Cody. Uh, the Hobbit. Lord of the, Lord of, Lord of the Rings. I was going to say that. Daniel. Lord of the Rings. <laughs> It's just nerdy trivia. How many bits of processing power were in the Nintendo 64? 64? 64, not a trick question. <laughs> True or false? In the video game Metroid, the hero is a bounty hunter and his name is Samus. False, because it is not a key. Uh, wait, I'm sorry. Isabella acknowledged that one first. Izzy? It's not a he. It's not a he, it's a I, she. I no, give the point to didn't. Izzy. No, I pressed it before her. She really did. All right, so no. you, it was a good job. Congratulations. Uh, I think that the winner of that was uh, definitely um, nobody at this table. No, it was <laughs> definitely me and Matthew. That's true. Well, yeah, I think, I think it was really good because, yeah, you, you acknowledged tacos. So... I got a quick question. Now, let's, we're going to continue. We're going to get into something uh, a little bit different real quick here tonight. Um, what is 2 plus 2? Four. Amaris. Four. Four is correct. That is, now, that's a, that's a factual statement. How about this one? What is the square root of 81? Isabella, 9 is correct. What year was the Declaration of Independence signed? 1776. I got 1776. Where's your history love there, Cody? I don't do dates. <laughs> <laughs> Excuses. Who wrote the Who wrote the play Hamlet? Gabby said Shakespeare. <laughs> what two elements make up table salt? Dylan, Dylan. Sodium and chlorine. Very, very good. Now hold on. Now hold on. Now now what what about this? What is the best color? Blue. I Blue? I heard a blue. Yeah. Lorelai? Red. No, yellow. Yellow. Sorry. Yellow. 
Wait, wait, hold on. What do you, what, wait, what, okay, Cody, what are you thinking? Um, any color is the best color depending on the person. It depends on the person. Hold on, I gotta say something? You're not allowed to talk anymore. <laughs> okay, wait, 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 wait. Hold on. Time out, time out, time out. Let me ask you a question. For all these questions that we've answered, for all the things that we've talked about tonight, when we talk about who wrote Hamlet, or we talk about uh, live long and prosper, or what planet got blown up in Star Wars, or what's the square root of 81, all of these have, have answers that we can all agree. That's a true fact, or it's not. That's a, it's a yes or no answer. It's, it's, the right, it's right or wrong. But when you get into something like, what's your favorite color, why can't we answer that right or wrong? based on opinion each person has their own yeah and it's a difference between fact and and opinion um so what about these questions is there a creator of the universe uh, god no it, that wasn't a, that wasn't a who is the creator of the universe is there a creator of the universe yes was jesus the son of god yes yes <laughs> do you guys agree yes that is a factual Certainly. Did, did, did Jesus die on the cross? Correct. And did he rise again from the grave? Yeah. Yes. So now, now hold on. Now, a lot of people today will say that something like faith or your religion or whatever is just a matter of preference. And, it, and it's true that, that a lot of believers worship the kind of God that they, I'm using the air quotes here, that they prefer. But are there facts involved? Is, is there a right or wrong to it? Can we prove that certain beliefs are valid and, and that certain aren't? Certain ones aren't. When when you look at the full picture of religious belief, we find both types of questions. There, there's there's many matters of preference in religion. Some prefer to worship God with a lot of music or candles or incense, and, and others just kind of prefer maybe something a little more simple. Some see God as like a righteous judge. Or some see God as like an angry old man or the universe's police officer. And some people see God as just like a kindly old grandfather or, you know, they see Jesus as their homeboy, you know, who just wants to hang out and high five. But at the heart of faith, at the heart of the, the Bible, at the heart of truth, there are certain statements that either they're either true or they aren't. Was the universe created by God? Indeed. I mean, it, there's, there's no like, I think it was. There's no like, I feel it was. It either was or it wasn't. Is Jesus the son of God? Yes. I, I mean, yes, but, but we say yes or no. He can't kind of be. He can't be or he, he either is or he isn't. What do you, th what do you think, Lorelai? Well, Take this. I'd like to add on to when we asked um, who's the creator of the world or if there's a creator of the world. Some people say the Big Bang Theory created the world. But then there's a question, who created the Big Bang Theory? Hmm. God created the Big Bang Theory, if you want to say the Big Bang Theory created the world. He still created the world because he created the Big Bang Theory. Yeah, where'd the bang come from? I, I heard it said one time when someone said, hey, you know, you believe in God? He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, that's ridiculous. I, I have a microphone. Thank you. <laughs> he's, like, uh, he's like, oh, that's ridiculous. He goes, well, no, come over to my house. And he goes, he goes what do you mean come over to my house? He goes, no, no, you're going to love my house, man. My house is really cool. It has a front door. And he's like. So what? Everybody's house is a front door. He goes, no, no, no. My, my front door opens and closes. <laughs> like, whatever, dude. It's like, that's, that's not that big of a deal. He goes, no, no, no. But when you come in my house, like, there's these stairs. And you know where their stairs go? They go up. <laughs> and he's like, what are you talking about? He's like, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. He's like, dude, seriously, I have this little room in my house. And it's got a toilet in it. And if you go number one or number two in the toilet, you can flush it. 
And the water, he's like, dude, that's everybody's house. He's like, no, 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 wait, wait, wait. I also have a kitchen with a refrigerator, and if you put food in it, it gets cold. And he's like, why, why are you just like, why are you making this out to be a big deal? He says, because a hardware store blew up and all the pieces just landed that way. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> he's like, that's ridiculous. There's no way that could work. He's like, yeah, exactly. So, so thus the Big Bang theory. How does that work? You may, you may use it. You may make it your own story. Well, how about this one? You know, people, people agree historically that Jesus lived and that he died. Did Jesus rise from the grave? He either did or he didn't. People say he did. They're either right or they're wrong. And, and is God involved in our lives? Does God affect our lives today? These are two plus two questions. If you say yes and you say no, if, if I say yes and you say no, one of us is wrong. We can't both be right. Now, I can love and I can respect the people that disagree with me, but I can't say it doesn't matter. If I like yellow and you like purple, we can hold our own different opinions. It doesn't really matter. If I like apple juice and you like orange juice, we can both just enjoy our things and it just doesn't really matter. But if I believe that Jesus is the son of God and my neighbor doesn't, then it does matter. By the laws of logic, one of us is mistaken. And, and if you're mistaken about that, it could have eternal results. But we'll come back to these questions a little bit. First, I want to take a look at how the Apostle Paul tried to convince other people about Jesus. So look in your Bibles real quick to Acts chapter 14. Um, would somebody like to read the first verse? One? Yeah. What book was it? Acts 14, just verse 1. At Iconium, Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas. Barnabas went as usual into the Jewish synagogue. There they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed. Okay, so where did Paul and Barnabas start preaching? Iconium. And where in Iconium? When, when they were there. Okay, they were in the synagogue. And this, you know, the, this is where the Jews worship. This is like Jewish church. And they went there because they were Jewish and because Christianity is based on the Jewish faith. Jesus came as the Jewish Messiah and he would offer salvation to the whole world. And, and so as a result of their preaching, who believed in Jesus? The Greeks and the Jews. Now, it might be surprising that the Gentiles, which are, which are non-Jews, that's what it says, the Jews and the Gentiles, the Greeks, the non-Jewish people, that they were also in the synagogue. But throughout the Roman Empire, a, a number of Gentiles became interested in the laws and the traditions of Jewish faith. And, and these folks were called God-fearers or, or God-worshippers because they honored the God of the Jews, even though they weren't Jewish. So when Paul came around, when Paul got saved, when Paul began to do his ministry, he was preaching that Jesus was the Messiah for the Jews and the Gentiles alike. And these God-fearers got really excited because that was basically they could now be part of what God was doing. It was like they were being welcomed into this family of faith. Some of the Jews also trusted that Jesus was their Messiah, but other Jews uh, were not fans, and they opposed this message that Paul was preaching. Um, somebody read verse 2. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up the other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. So who was causing problems here? The Jews, who the Jews who refuse, the ones who refuse to believe. Now, some, now, this doesn't mean that the Jews were the bad guys. This was the ones that refused to believe. And this became a pattern wherever Paul would travel. When he arrived in a city, he would go to the synagogue and he would preach. And, and some synagogues were real receptive and they would be like, yay, you know, and they would let him preach regularly. But eventually there'd be a conflict between those who accepted Jesus and those who refused to believe. And Paul would usually be asked to leave and sometimes he would be forced to leave. 
So when uh, the the problem that we're having here is the, the Jews that don't believe, and um, at Iconium, people were talking about actually stoning Paul and, and Barnabas to death, which is you take them, you put them on the ground, and you throw rocks at them until they die. That's not a good way to die. That's not fun uh, to do that. Um, so they, they skipped town. Uh, but in other less violent cities, Paul would just simply move down the street, and he'd find a public place to preach that would be welcoming to Gentiles. And uh, a church would form there made up of, of Gentiles and believing Jews. Remember, Gentiles are not Jewish people. Jewish people, uh, for, for them, it was not necessarily faith. It was your nationality. They were the people of Israel. That was the people that lived there. The, the Gentiles would be um, non-Jewish people, not people not of a Jewish heritage. Um, so it's not like a religious choice. It's just that you were born into, into that. Um, so... Uh, turn to Acts 17 real quick. Flip over a couple chapters. So Paul is now in a place called Thessalonica. Uh, and he's got a new partner named Silas. And as usual, where does he go first? Synagogue. To the synagogue. Very good. Somebody read verses uh, 2 and two through 4. 2, 3, and 4. Okay. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and providing that the Messiah had to suffer from rising from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Uh, for some of the Jews were persuaded and joined uh, Paul and Sil uh, Silas. Silas. Silas, yeah. As did a large number of God-bearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. Very good. Um, you said it down the middle. Thanks. So, uh, what was basically the content of his message? What was it that he was telling them here? Well, um, Paul and Silas's um, message was that Jesus is the Son of God, and that He came and He rose from the dead and fulfilled prophecies that God uh, foretold. Yeah, that He had to die and then and then rise again. And when He said Jesus is the Christ, Jesus is the Messiah, what did He mean? The, the Christ is the Greek term. Messiah is the Hebrew term. It's, it's two different words for the same thing. What, what did he mean? Savior. Savior, yeah. The, the word means, literally, it means anointed one. Um, and throughout the Old Testament, there's these promises that a leader would come, specifically empowered by God to save his people. And, and that was the Messiah, or Christ. Lorelai. Um, I just wanted to add to what Cody said. Mm-hmm. Oh, so we're in the New Testament. Yes. So, okay, stuck in the Old Testament. I was going to say um, that they were talking about the Messiah, how this per Jesus is coming. So that's just saying he's there. Mm -hmm. That's what they're saying. He they're saying he came. came. He came, okay. Yeah. So. So it's like this. It's Think about this. Have you ever ordered anything from the Internet, like you've ordered a package or a present, something from Amazon? When you click send, it's done. It's paid for. It's coming, right? And you have to look forward to it in faith. And then when you go check the mail and you see the package that's in the mail, you go, whoa, this package is here. It's finally here. It's finally here. And then, you know, once you take it into the house, you open it up and it's, I don't know, a new hat. And you wear the new hat around. And you're wearing it around town. You're like, look at my hat. This hat came from Amazon or whatever. And you, So that's, that's what we have. We have in, the, in the, the whole Bible, you have the Old Testament where everyone's like, it's coming. It's coming. The package is coming. And then in the Gospels, you're like, hey, it's here. And then he dies and he rises again. And then in the, the rest of the New Testament, as Paul is going around and Peter and the disciples, and they're doing their thing, they're saying, this came. And now we have it. And now it's part of us. Look at the thing, you know, look at this faith that we have. Look at the new life that we have. Um, so so let, let's talk about this real quick. Um, 
what is what what resource material is Paul basically using here when he's talking about this in Thessalonica? Personal experience. Well, there's well there's some personal experience there, but remember, look, look at what he's look at what he's talking about it's, it, as he's reasoning with them. Look, verse two. Verse two says, as his custom was, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures. So, what was he using as his source material? Scriptures. scriptures. Yeah, he was using the Bible. He was using the Old Testament, and uh, and and these people that he was talking to, the, the Jewish people and the people in the synagogue, do you think they they would be familiar with the Old Testament scriptures, right? And 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 that was their Bible. So, and Paul was actually trained as a rabbi. Paul was was a teacher, so he knew this stuff backward and forward. And he would quote prophecies about the Messiah, probably including Isaiah 53, where it talks about the anointed one, the Messiah, who was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities and by his stripes were healed. Well, when you've been reading that your entire life and you go, oh, that's cool. The Messiah is going to come and he's going to be. And then somebody goes, oh, by the way, do you see this guy, Jesus, who was wounded and bruised and striped? And you go, oh, it was Jesus the whole time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I had no idea. So, so he's talking with the people about what they're looking for, that this is the Messiah that God promised to send you. And, and then he talked about how Jesus fit that profile. All right. There's this prophecy. He's going to be born of a virgin. What was Jesus born of a virgin? Right. And he was going to be born in Bethlehem. Where was Jesus born? That, that he was going to be preaching in Galilee. Where did Jesus go around preaching? Galilee. Exactly. He would bring sight to the blind and freedom from demons as prophesied, betrayed by a friend and put to death like a criminal as prophesied. Uh, that he, and just as David had prophesied and promised that the anointed one, the Holy One, would not stay dead, so Jesus rose from the grave. This is your Messiah, Paul saying. He's like, look at him. Look at him. Look at him. Look at him. Jesus is the one that you're looking for. So according to verse 4, who responded to his message? Verse 4. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. Yeah, so it's the same as before. There's some Jews and, and a large number of God-fearers. But uh, Amaris, what happens in verse 5? In verse 5... It says, but other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. Yeah, you did. So, so what's happening here? What, what happens? They Again. They start in problems. They start in problems. They start in static. They throw some shade at them, right? They throw beef. They throw beef. <laughs> throwing, mm, throwing beef. The same, listen, the same thing happens later on as the chapter goes on. We see him, they go to another town, but then trouble arises. So Paul slips out and he goes to Athens while, while Silas and Timothy, who are his, his friends, they're kind of wrapping up some business. But this is not a vacation for Paul. This is an opportunity. And, and again, the city's full of idols and he goes to the synagogue and, and to the marketplace and uh, he begins sharing with them uh, about some different things. Listen, about four or 500 years earlier, you got people like Socrates and Aristotle and Plato. They came over from Athens, and, and the city was really, really proud of that heritage, all right? These were like the rock stars of their days. Um, and, and they sort of had this philosophy club that they used to meet regularly on this hill in Athens. It was called Mars Hill. Um, and, and the place was named for Ares, for Mars, for the god of war. Because um, these people were like going to war with their brains. They were like debating each other, philosophizing and trying to be intelligent. Um, and a few of these philosophers heard Paul talking in the marketplace. So let's see what happened. Um, look down at verses, uh, let's go to chapter 17. 
verses 18 through 21. Cody? 18 through 21? Mm-hmm. Okay. A group of and Stoic philosophers begin to dispute with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news. So what's, what's, their initial re- what's their initial reaction about Paul? Yeah, they're like, you a babbler. What's this guy babbling about? Um, all right, keep, but, 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 but they wanted to hear more. So keep, keep going. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus. Areopagus. Areopagus, where they said to him, "May we know what this new teaching is that you are pre- presenting?" So they're curious about what he's saying, right? He's presenting it in a way that they're actually like, "Okay, tell us a little bit more." And go ahead. You are bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we want to know what they mean. All the Athenians and foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about. And listening to the latest ideas. So Paul is brought in and basically asked to defend his faith in front of the philosophy club. All right. How would you feel if you had to do that? If you had to stand up in front of the smartest people at your school and basically defend your faith, how would you prepare for that? Morris? Um, I would pray about it first. And <laughs> I would remember that I need to be patient with people who don't understand the same things that I do, and then I would bring the facts. <laughs> <laughs> That's she very, very, she got Jesus. Uh, so, so what does it say about the, uh, uh, somebody real quick, read verses 22 and 23. Amaris, w- will you read it since you're right there? Sure. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Oropagus. Oropagus and said, people of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship, and this is what I am going to proclaim to you. All right, pause right there. So what does he say about the Athenians? They just praise the things. They worship false gods. Well, the first thing he does, he doesn't shoot them down just like that. He doesn't just like throw them under the bus and say, hey, you guys suck and you're the worst. He, first thing he notices is, is kind of a positive thing. He says, people of Athens, I see in, in every way you are very what? Religious. Re- religious. And, um, and, and is that an insult? No. No. But you got to remember, do you think that seeing all these idols makes him happy or do you think that it makes him feel distressed? Yeah, I think so too. And the reason why is because they're worshiping other gods. And, uh, and, and so why does he compliment them on being very religious? Um, I find like because they want to be complimented, like noticed about it. But at the same time, he wants them to know this is what he sees. Right. What, what do you think, Gabby? Um, he's like, um, he says, well, from what I see, he says it to, like, um, start up a conversation and to call them out by saying, hey, you're not really paying attention to what you um, proclaim to worship, and so that's making you really ignorant. Maybe, maybe. What do you think of Mars? It shows that they can, like, actually believe in something, just depending on 
how they introduce themselves to it because if they're allowing themselves to worship an unknown god i'm pretty sure they'll be able to worship god yeah and he does he points out he's like by the way you have an altar here to a god that you don't even know it's called the unknown god and there's a lot of people, kind of historians, Cody, uh, have various ideas on why there's an altar inscribed to an unknown god. And one theory suggests that there was maybe a disaster that they were spared from, and uh, they weren't sure which of their gods saved them. So they put up this altar to say, basically, whoever you are, thanks, <laughs> thanks up there. Or it might just be that they didn't want to leave anybody out, so they just sort of like, you know, in case they forgot. Because they had like a lot of gods. It wasn't just like, hey, there's God. It was like, you got the God of Thunder, you got the God of Lightning, you got the God of the Sun, you got the God of the Moon, you got the God of Spiders, you got the God of Coca-Cola, whatever. Everything has a God, and you don't want to make any of them angry, right? So uh, when we read through Paul's message in Athens, we find out that he doesn't actually even quote Scripture at all. Why not? He didn't need to. Why? Because it's what he saw. Sure. But remember, when he went to the synagogue, what did he use to, to preach? Scripture. scripture, every time. So why didn't he quote scripture when he was talking to the Athenians at Mars Hill? What do you think, Amaris? Okay, so the people at the synagogue, they actually like knew the scripture mm -hmm. because they were like either past believers or they were believers mm -hmm. of God, but they were like really deeply rooted in their faith. Right. But the people from Athens weren't really people of God, right. were people worshiping other gods, so he didn't need to worship scripture because they wouldn't have understood it. They, they, they might not have understood it. What do you think, Lorelai? Well, I kind of think it would be opposite. Like, he would need to quote scripture because the people at the synagogue, because, um... Not, these aren't the synagogue people. Okay. We're comparing. Okay. So I'm saying, because he would have, he would have needed to quote scripture because, um, they wanted to test his ability Gotcha. Cody? Because they wouldn't have, um, they probably don't know all of it. So I think, and, but if he was um, with these people, he wouldn't necessarily need to quote the scripture because they don't know any of it. And then since he knows it from his heart and he knows what he's speaking, he wouldn't need it. I gotcha. Yeah, because it, it would be like speaking a foreign language to them, maybe. Cody, what do you think, buddy? Well, <clears throat> I just held an agreement of that these people, the Athenians, the Gentiles, whatever. Um, they don't know what he what he would be talking about. So right, right. They didn't grow up learning what he what he preaches. Yeah, yeah. So they don't know the scripture. At, he comes at them from their point of view of worshiping their gods or any unknown god. Yeah, Cody, look real quick at verse twenty-eight. Read that, man. For in him we live, and move, and have our being, as some of your own poets have said. We are his offspring. So wait, 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 hold on there. So what is he quoting there in the second part of that verse? Um, he quotes their, like, Bible. Yeah, he quotes their poets. He's quoting song lyrics. He's quoting philosophy. He's quoting things that they would know. Um, that's an interesting move. When does he start talking about Jesus, finally, at the end of this whole exchange? Um, look down to um, verse 31. Okay. So verse 31, for he has set a day where he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. Pause. By who? By the man he has appointed. Who is the man that he has appointed? Jesus. It is Jesus. So it's all the way down in verse 31 that he first talks about Jesus. And uh, and actually, what is the proof that he uses? It's also there in verse 31. He has, uh, he has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Exactly. So let's review. When Paul spoke to the Jews, he used their source material the scriptures, 
And when he talked to the Gentiles, he used their source material. He basically used their idols. He basically used song lyrics. He, he used philosophy. He used the things that they would know. And with the Jews, he started by talking about what they were looking for. They expected the Messiah. And, and, and you know, and they were trying to figure out, you know, and Paul was trying to help them through Scripture to understand out what, the, what the Messiah would be like. Essentially, he did the same thing in Athens, though. He talked with the philosophers about what they were looking for. Yeah, there's a lot of idols in town, but he zeroed in on the unknown one. He kind of found that was his open door to talk about it. He figured out they were looking for a God who couldn't be boxed up or, you know, boxed up in an idol or a temple. Someone who could fill their lives and actually have a relationship with them, not just be a statue or an idea or a song lyric. Um, and in both cases, with the Jews and with the Greeks, Paul said, who is who they're looking for? Who is it? What's the answer to the Jews and to the Gentiles? What's the one thing that they're both looking for? Yeah, they're looking for, they're looking for an answer. And, and where do we find it? In Jesus. In Jesus. So this is what we kind of make it when it comes to you. When you think about the people at your school or your friends or, or your neighbors, people who don't know Jesus... What do you think that they're looking for? The people that you know in your school or, you know, in your, in, in your neighborhood, wherever, they don't know Jesus. What are they looking for in life? What are they looking for in life is an answer, you know? You understand what I'm saying? They're looking for an answer. Um, looking for a reason to live. Yeah. Izzy's like, pass that by me. I don't want to talk to nobody. <laughs> Someone to answer the questions that they have. Yeah. Yeah. What are people looking for? Something to fill the hole in the heart. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. A reassurance. Yeah. I think people are looking for hope. People are looking for something that they can believe in that, that's true. Remember, we talked at the beginning about the, the questions, what's true and what's not true. So many things in this world are just like, whatever's your flavor, man, whatever you're into, whatever you like or whatever you prefer. But wouldn't it be nice to know that something is true? Wouldn't it be nice to know that there's something we can actually believe in that's bigger than us, that actually makes a difference, something that we can hold on to when a lot of things become uncertain? And I don't know about you guys, but that's what I find in Jesus. When there's all these different things in the world and you can say, well, I like this or I like this or I feel this. It's not about what I feel because my feelings will sometimes jack up my faith. It's about what I know to be true. And uh, the Bible tells us, let God be true and every man a liar. You know, if there's ever anything that you think and there's ever anything that you feel and there's ever anything that you understand, but you compare it with what God says, I promise you, if it doesn't line up with what God says, you're wrong. <laughs> God is always true. Uh, but there's people out there that need to know that. And you can't just go up to them sometimes and say, hey, you're wrong. And you're going to go die and be going to a devil's hell. You can't do that. They, no, that's not. But that's, how, but that's how some people hear Christians. That's how some people hear our faith. And, and the reason why is because we don't take the time to show them the, that we care about what they care about. We don't take the time to show them that, we can, that, that God wants to speak to them where they are. When you're talking with your friends and you're talking with your, your classmates and you're talking with people about, uh, about God and their faith, hear them. Listen to what they think. Listen to what they believe. Don't just come at them like you're trying to hit them with your Bible and kill them and, you know, bludgeon them into submission. Come at people with love. Come at people with grace. Think about the way that they're going to hear what you have to say. 
and present Jesus with love. Present Jesus in, in, a, in a way because to me, you guys are familiar with Cinderella, right? I think that yeah, in Lorelei, <gasps> Jesus is kind of like the glass slipper. Jesus is the thing that like when, when you find when you find that Jesus is the right way, it always fits you just right. It's always perfect. It's always baby bear. Jesus is like, you know, just right, you know, and, and it's because it doesn't matter who you are and it doesn't matter what you've done and it doesn't matter what you believe. When you come to Christ, he's just right. When you find faith in Jesus, he meets you right where you are. And maybe you've been a good person your whole life, and I never sinned, I never done nothing, no bad, you know, whatever. And you've just been a good, plain, boring, vanilla person. Find Jesus, and you'll find fulfillment. If you've been a terrible person, a nightmare person, like Izzy, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, I was taking her lip out. Find Jesus, because God gives us forgiveness and fulfillment. You know, and that's what we're all looking for. We're all looking to find that what we, what, you know, where we can find our hope, where we can find our purpose, where we can find our answers, and uh, where we can be made the best version of ourselves that there is. Lorelai. Well, I like thinking myself as the Rocky Blue ice cream. Why? What? I don't know what Rocky Blue ice cream is. What is Rocky Blue ice cream? You're looking at me. Amaris is looking at me like I'm the, like, all right, first off, it, l listen, Amaris, all right, think of me as like Mars Hill, all right? I want to know what this thing is. You can't just come in and go, oh, you're so stupid because you don't know. T speak to me in my language. It's a dark neon blue ice cream. Man, I can't imagine what, what that does to your poop color. <laughs> I think we should leave right now and go get some Rocky blue ice cream. Vanilla, Vanilla is not boring. boring. <laughs> it is amazing. <laughs> this, Chris, you, are, go to your room. <laughs> <laughs> you you've just been sent to your room by everybody. But you, you now, I'm, in all fairness, I look over at Christian and Matthew, and you two, uh, you guys like very boring foods, and, and that's oh Matthew, it's true. Matthew likes Matthew likes some foods, but Christian likes nothing. Christian likes chicken nuggets and Chex mix. <laughs> Morris. Morris approves of your of your dietary choices. Listen, here's a couple a couple good things. If people want to know, you know, hey, what's Jesus? Here's a couple things that you guys can do. These are your pro tips. All right, everybody, say pro tip. All right, here's your pro tip. Focus on the resurrection because, listen, it's a really important thing that Jesus didn't only die. Lots of people have died. Everybody in history that has died has died, but Jesus rose from the dead. So uh, what does Romans 10.9 say? If you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and you confess with your mouth that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Very good. I'm glad you got I hope the, that you got yeah, singing along with the champ here. Listen, there's a... There, there's a lot of things that we need to remember. Look at the quality of Jesus' teachings. This is brilliant stuff. And yet Jesus even spoke of his own divinity as well. There's, um, there's a, a guy, C.S. Lewis. He wrote the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, he's, he's awesome. But he was a Christian, and he wrote in this thing. There's, uh, there's basically this, this point that he makes in a book called Mere Christianity that Jesus is either a liar or he's a lunatic or he's the Lord. He said, if he says, like, I and the Father are one, if he says, I'm God, basically is what he's saying. If it's not true and he doesn't believe that it's true, then he's a liar. If it's not true and he does believe that it's true, then he's crazy. He's a lunatic. But if it is true, then he's the Lord. Then he's the Lord. And one of those scenarios has to be true. Either Jesus is crazy 
or he's a liar, or he's exactly who he says he is. We know it's true because when Jesus died, the world shook and the veil of the temple ripped. So we know it's true. And God said, oh my gosh, this must be the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> drops, the, drops the mic. Thank you. Yeah, you know, we don't we don't need to break another Apple product this week. Uh-huh. And here's the deal. Listen, you guys know Jesus had 12, 12 disciples, right? And uh, one of them killed himself because he betrayed him. That was that was uh, Judas Iscariot. But what happened to the other disciples? What happened to the other eleven? Did they all just kind of get to be old men and retire and die peacefully? What what happened to them, Gabby? Now, if these people were making this up, if they were like just being phony about Jesus, do you think that they would let somebody kill them to prove a point? Yeah, there ain't no way. Bro, as soon as they pull that cross out and show me the hammer and the nails, I'm like, psych, just kidding, guys. Just kidding. Jesus was a fake. I'm just, we're just making this up, guys. We're just trying to sell books here. They left their families to follow him. Yeah, absolutely. I really don't think they'd just say that stuff. And then, like, okay, psych, I'm out. You left your families to follow him. Might as well go through the rest of it. And the and, and the prophecies of the Bible line up with it too. There's so much in the Old Testament that that could could not. It's just impossible. I mean, Izzy, you're a math person. The statistics of the Old Testament prophets, the, their prophecies coming true, is so mathematically impossible, and yet they're all fulfilled in Jesus. the The odds of it are staggering. They're mind-boggling. The odds are definitely in their favor. So, uh, so that's some things, all right? Where is your Aeropagus? Where is your Mars Hill? Where do you need to stand up and speak about your faith? Is it at school? Is it hanging out with your friends? Is it on social media? And what are you going to say? Notice that Paul didn't like yell at the Athenians for worshiping idols, even though that bothered him. Instead, he said, hey, looks like you guys are religious. Looks like you guys are looking for God. Let me tell you about where to find that thing that you're looking for. And before any of that, he learned about the state of their souls before he said a word. Um, The Bible tells us to be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have. So my challenge and my question for you is, how will you get ready? Well, that's all the time we have for tonight. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much to the Thursday Night Grow Bible Study for being with us tonight. Thank you guys for uh, for hanging out with us tonight. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Hello. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, you guys can listen to this. Uh, this will be on your uh, your favorite place to download podcasts soon, whether it's... That's right. Well, it's a listening podcast. All right, Amaris, you, uh, you need to listen to us. We are the Nerd of Godcast. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on uh, Stitcher. You can find us on SoundCloud or anywhere else that fine podcasts are consumed. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can connect with us on social media. That's Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Nerd of Godcast. You can email us at nerdofgodcast at gmail.com, or you can check us out online at nerdofgodcast.com. Once again, for the Thursday Night Grow Bible Study, my name is Tony T. Until next time, we ain't got to go home. But you can't here! <laughs> Buenas noches. Still recording. I know. You're gonna edit this whole last part out, right?